Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. What is up, Chi Alpha? Welcome to m Man. Good to see my core group right here. Um, if we haven't already met, my name is Thomas Hamilton. I... Thank you, guys. Um, I'm so excited to give you all the message tonight. Um, this is something I, I feel like the Lord is cultivating in my heart, um, and I'm just happy to be in front of you all tonight, just to have a conversation. So I want to start off, I, I want to tell you all, I'm super cool if you all are active listeners tonight, all right? That means that, you know, when I'm up here, you know, talking about stuff, y'all can let out a couple mmms, you know? Uh, a couple, a couple oh yeahs, you know? I, hey, if you're ever talking to me, you'll, you'll hear, a, you'll hear a, okay, uh, an okay, or a mm-hmm, you know? I want to know y'all are out there, all right? I got these lights in my eyes, all right? I need to know y'all are out there. You don't have to say amen to everything, but just let me know. Does that sound good? All right, all right. Well, let me tell you about a story. Let me tell you a story about myself um, that I thought about as I prepared this message. So, when I was around 10 or 11 years old, I fell in love with the game of football. All right, so I was, I was a pretty shy kid growing up. I, I did not have uh, a lot of interest, really. I, I kept to myself for the most part. But what I would love to do uh, is I played Madden football on my PlayStation 2. Um, that makes me sound really old, but uh, this was before I even started rooting for a team. I, I just loved playing Madden. And uh, one day I told my dad, you know, after I'm you know, spending all this time, I like, I want to play football. And... My family was super surprised by this, okay? They, they didn't think that little old Thomas wanted to, to play any sports, all right? I hadn't done anything up to that point. But my dad made it happen, all right? And next thing I know, we're buying all these equipment, you know, buying shoulder, shoulder pads, you know, helmet, cleats, all, all the works. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a breeze, all right? I, I'm going to go out there, you know, I'm going to be a starter the, the first week. Uh, I'm going to learn the whole game of football when I first started, um, but I found out the opposite, actually. Uh, it was super hot, all right, and you're, you're wearing all that on you. You're, you're sweating bullets, and the, the practice field that we had was on a baseball field, and I'd get dirt all on me, and then these gnats would, would just fly around my face. You could see them swarming out around the lights. Um, it was not like Madden at all, all right? I was, I was pleasantly, I was not pleasantly surprised um, and I wanted to quit. I, I was like, this isn't worth it. This isn't fun. This is supposed to be a game. Why, why am I out here um, working this hard? But my dad told me that whenever you start something, you finish it. And I was like, oh, all right, Dad, I, I guess so. Um, so I stuck with it. And each week, I, I dreaded going to those practices. And a, a month goes by, and I still wasn't having that much fun. But there's this one practice where either someone didn't show up or they weren't doing well, and the off starting offense is out there, and I'm on the scout team defense, which is basically all the scrubs, anyone else that can play. And they put me in at middle linebacker. So this is this position in the back where you can survey the whole field. And the coach pulled me aside and he said, just find the ball and make a hit, all right? 
It's like, all right, well, that's, that's simple enough. And so I'm back there, I'm looking at the play, and um, I start making hits, man. Like, I start knocking the snot out of people. I'm going for the ball, you know, I'm making these tackles. And over the season, I began to learn the position more and more. All right, I, I began to learn the game of football, how to you know, anticipate in certain things, and I be- became more confident in myself, more assured. I had responsibility over the outcome of a game in some ways. And uh, here's a picture of me at the, at the end of the season, if you want to look. There's, there's Thomas right there, yeah. This is a county over. I was with all the people that I went to, went to I guess, elementary school with, and um, you know, flash forward to my high school days, I, I am still interested in football. I'd played all the way up until then, and I joined the varsity team. And I'm one of the few people that had played before going on to the team. And so my fundamentals are good. I'm out there as a freshman making tackles and things like that. And before you know it, I'm a starter. Junior year, I'm the captain of the varsity team. Um, I, you know, I... I made, made all conference and all of this, um, and thank God my, my dad gave me that advice then, to, to stick through it, and to be patient, to endure, and I will tell you, those are some of my happiest memories, um, just going through the motions with some of my friends. I played all through high school with those people, and you know, I, I was so eager to picture myself as the perfect player when I first started. But if I didn't have that, that uphill battle at the beginning, I would not have learned. You see, I am not the most naturally athletic person. I, I, I really had to learn how to use what I could, you know, use what I was given and learn the fundamentals so that I could become the player that I was. I had to endure just a little bit of embarrassment, of anonymity in the moment, of being a player that was still learning before being thrust into more responsibility. And if you've played any type of sport growing up, you probably understand what I'm talking about. Or maybe you, you learned an instrument when you were a kid. You can think about those piano lessons with the old lady like three doors down that your parents knew. And you, you had to learn over time. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. Um, McDonald's is for the people, by the way, all right? I'm, I'm a big fan of McDonald's. Um, when being interviewed about the success of his business model, said, I was an overnight success. But man, 30 years is a long, long night. Um, those McDoubles aren't just crack- cranking themselves out, all right? That's a long-crafted uh, recipe. But, you know, if, if you're here and you think about some of the things that have taken some time, um, and if you're here, maybe you're going to school and uh, say, you know, trying to be a doctor, you're trying to be an engineer, you're trying to be a mechanic, uh, things like that, you know that it, it, it doesn't just come overnight. You've got things to learn, you, you know, you've got things to try out. Um, you don't just become a partner at a law firm right when you graduate college, spoiler alert, I hope y'all weren't banking on that. Um, but it's tempting to, to want to somehow find a shortcut, right? To somehow expedite uh, that, that process. What if there is an easier way? When we feel like we're, we're pressed for time or when it's just our, our personal expectation of when we'll finally reach that next checkpoint, it is easy to be willing to sacrifice the long process 
for the immediate result. It's easy to just Google the answers to that take-home quiz when it feels like another obstacle in the way of your degree. It's easier to ignore the conflict with your friends, with your housemates, when you feel like it's just going to blow over in a week. Have you ever had a time when you felt like you need to take a shortcut? You see, we sidestep discomfort, pain, uncertainty, difficult people, challenging tasks, and hard conversations to find the easy way, the quickest way, the seemingly best way for us. When we sense the tension between where we are and where we think we need to be, will we follow a path we know we should avoid? Or will, will we, like David, exhibit the rare virtue of patience? And so if you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been going through this, this series together called Step by Step, uh, David's Journey with God. And um, I'm excited about this, this specific passage. David's life is an inspiration to me in a, in a number of ways. And I think tonight's scripture will illuminate how, how much David had to recover his trust in God. Uh, and so far, you know, we've covered David's anointing, his, his victory over Goliath, and his beautiful friendship with Jonathan. And those are some, some moments where I feel like, you know, God is near. God, God is present. He's working in these situations. But I want to prepare you tonight. This is a more intense situation where God doesn't feel so near for David. We're going to focus on an inauspicious time where David is being chased by King Saul, who's enraged and jealous by David's future inheritance. But while reading about David's tumultuous tumultuous journey to the throne, I I hope that we can see that how you get there is as important as where you go. And God's primary goal for our lives is not where we go, but who we are. So let's turn to the passage for tonight, 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24, that is right before 1 Samuel 25. We're going to read a little bit at a time. We'll think about it through the lens of our own lives. And then we'll respond to the Lord, all right? Does that sound good? Great. Okay, verses 1 through 2. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. All right, so we find David in the En Gedi Desert, and this is right off the coast of the Dead Sea. You can uh, take a look at this picture of what it kind of looked like. Um, It's a desert wilderness, a really rocky landscape, and it's in the side of this rocky landscape that there's a lot of caverns. And so Saul, full of rage, full of jealousy, was chasing David and has 3,000 chosen men with him. And these are, these are probably like the special ops, all right? These are like the green berets of the Israelite army. These are some, some pretty tough dudes. And Saul means business, all right? He, his hatred for David has turned into a, a, a nationwide manhunt. And I'm sure that really helped David's prayer life. You know, he's probably turned into the Lord a lot in these moments. And if you read the beginning of Psalm 57, you know, he's crying out to the Lord before he goes into this cave. So verses three through four, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. And the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, 
I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So David's men, they're, they're tucked back in this cave in the En Gedi, probably thinking they're safe, right? And then what would you know, old Saul comes strolling by. And, you know, when nature calls, you can't really ignore it. So he books it into this cave, and I imagine he's pretty preoccupied with whatever he's doing. Um, he makes his makeshift throne right in front of them. But, you know, it's a vulnerable moment. It is a time where they could easily take action. Saul has no idea. Is this an opportunity, or is this some type of test for David and his men? And we see David's men, they get super excited about this opportunity. David, this is, this is it. This is the moment you've been waiting for, all right? It doesn't get better than this. We, we've got, here, got him right where we want him. All right, go ahead. Take your sword out. The Lord has placed him in front of you. And I, I think in this moment, we can see that it is tragically easy to confuse both our desires and our circumstances with the will of God. And even though the, the men quote the Lord as saying, he will give David's enemy into his hands, this isn't mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, friends. This might even be an example of false prophecy. And isn't it interesting how we can choose to, to interpret circumstances however, however we'd like? Where we'd say, God told me this, God told me that. God opened this door, God closed this door. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, we attribute some things to God that maybe aren't from him. So David finds himself in a, in a conflicting position, and in front of him is the long-awaited chance to end all of his running, to finally go home and, and assume the title of king as he's been promised. What would you do if this opportunity was right in front of you? Would you just let it escape for, and choose to, to suffer for however much longer? Or would you choose to, to trust the voices around you saying, this, this is your time? This is what you've been waiting for. And so David makes a decision. He begins to creep up to Saul, and he raises his sword or his knife. He pulls it out, and then with one fell swoop, he cuts off the corner of his robe. He cuts off the corner of his robe. I imagine the, the guys in the back are like, bro, what are you doing? What was that? You know, what, what, type, what, type, of, what type of thing are you doing? Um, so verses 5 through 7, let's keep reading. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So David came back and was conscience-stricken because this is the Lord's anointed. And if you remember back a couple of sermons ago, we talked about how David was anointed in a moment. And I'll explain, in, in the Old Testament, we see an understanding develop that to be anointed means that you are filled with the presence of God. And the anointed of Yahweh is endowed with Yahweh's spirit. So to cause harm to the anointed is to dishonor God's presence in this moment. So David says, absolutely not. I, I respect God. I respect God's anointed. And this is amazing, considering how Saul certainly wasn't respecting the anointed with David. He's been trying to kill him all this time. And killing Saul 
probably would have solved just about every one of David's problems. And David's men were right in pointing out that God had promised him the throne. And David and his men had been in the desert for a while now, all right? It wasn't really cool anymore that they were outside. This wasn't just any camping trip anymore. So much time has passed, and I'm sure they were tired of the desert, tired of sleeping on rocks. They missed their family, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, all these close calls with death, sleepless nights. What are you thinking, David? What? But David said, he is the Lord's anointed. God made him king, and God will remove him. It, it, this, that is not my place. He is God's. And David stands firm because he sees that it is impossible to achieve the, the purpose of God by breaking the commands of God. David leaves Saul's judgment in God's hands and chooses to be patient and endure, trusting that the Lord's planned outcome is better than his own desired outcome. Because how you get there is as important as where you go. And it's in this moment that David's integrity was put to the test. His true character was put on display. And it's been said that character is like a tree and reputation is like a shadow. Shadow is what we think of it. Tree is the real thing. And it's who you are when no one is around. And I think that's true. But I also think that our character is lived out when we are in the presence of others. And to be the same person in every circumstance is an indicator of good character. And it's in this circumstance that David stands firm with his character while people are telling him otherwise. So let's finish out our reading, verses 8 through 13. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king. And Saul looked behind him. David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I caught off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. We see in this passage the fundamental key of what it takes to be a person of good character and to live a life of biblical principle and conviction over pragmatism. We must have our trust in the Lord. We must have our faith in the Lord in, in these adverse circumstances. And this doesn't mean David was apathetic uh, with his life. He, he ran for his life when he needed. He, he fought Goliath when he needed. But it, it did not mean that he wasn't going to compromise his character to get ahead. He knew that how you get there is as important as where you go. And let me ask this. What, what did David's decision cost him? A few more years in the desert, for sure, more sleepless nights, more sleeping on rocks. It cost him his comfort, for sure. But do you think he regretted it? Do you think he regretted not killing Saul in that moment? I'd say not for a second. You see, God cares more about your character than your comfort. 
And David didn't have to worry about Saul's blood on his hands. When he became king, he became king with a clear conscience and honored God all the way to the throne, even though it was the long way there. He knew that if he's the one that made, had, if he's the one that made it happen, he has to keep making it happen. But if God's the one that makes it happen, God's going to continue to make it happen. He knew that how you get there is as important as where you go. David's, path, David's story is but one that's mentioned in the whole story of the Bible, where, where God continually shows his people that he has a greater purpose in store for them. You see, it is the character of God that is put on display through David's story and many others. And as followers of the living God, we get the opportunity to be an extension of his character. And when, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it wasn't so that we'd have a shortcut to riches or a, a guilt-free, guilt-free life. It was to adopt us into the family of God and to form us into people that are like Jesus in every way. But let me ask you this. Is your life a reflection of this? If you ask some skeptics what a barrier is for them to becoming a Christian, oftentimes they will say other people who claim to be Christian. And Christians can be either the greatest apologetic or the greatest barrier of the Christian faith. How we live, our character matters. We're in the witnesses of people that are still wanting to learn about God. Of course, they want to see a a Christian person, someone that is following God, be like them and exemplify some things. And when I look at my life, I can think think, think of times where I have been impatient and I have compromised my character. I'll admit it. And when I didn't let go and trust him when I should have, and I think you know, there are times when I did something I shouldn't have and tried to take a shortcut around God's will. My friend uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, maybe you know him, um, wrote in his book, The Lord of the Rings, shortcuts make long delays. And I think it's the shortcuts we take around the hard things in our life that delay the deep work that God can do in our hearts. So when you take shortcuts around the the devotional time necessary to develop a deep relationship with God, just to get that high score in the MCAT, or just to get into med school, you are missing out on the love and the beauty of God. Sure, you, you may get that job you sacrifice so much time for, but if it comes at the expense of made, being made into a woman of, or man of God, then what good is it? And when you take shortcuts around your, your friendships and choose to either ignore the confrontation about your sin or ignore confronting another friend about their sin, you are sidestepping the chance to be fully known and fully loved. And it's hard to say you want to commit to being like Jesus when you don't let others see the things in you that aren't like him. And when you take shortcuts, when you take shortcuts around your standards of dating and choose to settle for a guy or a girl or a relationship that will compromise your holy convictions of how God wants you to live your life, you are forfeiting a future with God at the center. You are making a decision that will impact your future marriage and your future family, making you prone to take shortcuts in that too. 
how you get there is as important as where you go. I want to ask the worship team to make their way up here. But I also know that there are some of you here that also feel like you're suffering, like David. That maybe you're in the desert yourself, and there's, there's no other way out. You may feel like you're, you're in the same position as David. You, you can't let, the, you can't let the, the ticket to get out of the desert just go away like that. You can't afford that. Or maybe you have people in your corner that, that are on this journey with you, and if you let this chance go uh, out in front of you, then they're going to be harmed too. I get that. David may have endured the desert, but there was a greater king that endured much more, that knows your pain, that knows your questions and your doubts like no other. And Jesus himself trekked through the wilderness and was tempted by the devil to to compromise his character, to expedite his inheritance of the kingdom. And instead, he let his faith and his character his faith and trust in the Father guide his actions. And it led him all the way to the cross where he endured it for us. The author of Hebrews sums it up well um, in chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Confidence to approach God's throne. You see, this is the good news. We don't have to do it ourselves. Our Lord Jesus, he knows what it's like to to be waiting, to be anonymous for a season, and and to want to live into the holy ambition that you have to to provide or or to do well, to, to bring your all into each and everything. But God truly wants to work in your character in those hard things. And even though it is hard to endure, I want us to look to Jesus in those moments. So let me close with just a couple thoughts and an invitation to respond, to respond to the Lord. I think college is one of the moments in your life when you, you will encounter multiple crossroads. In your relational life, your future work, your, your, your faith life as well. And it's a time in your life where you will begin to catch glimpses of where God is beginning to lead you. And it's easy to want to run straight through each one of those crossroads without a second thought of how you're getting there. And this time in your life can feel just like an obstacle in the way of the future life. But I do believe it's in this season where God can cultivate and prepare a heart of dependence in you that will bless you for the rest of your life. And even when, you, when your potential is unseen and your abilities are underappreciated, use those times as opportunities to develop an unshakable identity and to find rest in God's timing, just as Jesus did. So I want us to, to go ahead and stand together. And before we sing, I, I want to guide us through Uh, just a a simple prayer practice that many of you have done before. Um, And it can be uh, this time as as a prayer of confession if you need it to be. 
So if you're comfortable, I want you, I want to encourage you to extend your hands in front of you, open and ready to receive. And now I want you to, to close your eyes and, and picture the things that you've tried to, to wrestle away from God. Picture the, the, the life or the way forward you've tried to create apart from his wisdom. Maybe the shortcuts you've tried to create. And as you think of those things, turn your palms downward as an act of giving those things to him. And when when you're ready, turn your palms back up, signifying your trust in his perfect way, his perfect plan. And maybe more things come to mind as you're doing it. As they do, continue to flip your hands back down and back up, ready to receive. And if you're here and you're not a Christian yet or you don't yet trust in in what God can do in your lives, I want to encourage you to, to place your trust in a heavenly Father that loves you more than what you do. Let's worship. God, you are our present. You are our future, Lord. You write our story, God. You hold everything together, Lord. You are the reason why we are in this room, God. You are the reason why we have been led to this point, God. It is you that has given us the gift, Lord, of community. Lord, the gift of of being able to pursue you, God, along with other people. Lord, I, I pray that in this season of life, God, that we may not sidestep, Lord, the wonderful opportunity to get to know you, Lord, to to cultivate a deep and strong character, Lord, founded on you, that is filled with goodness, that is filled with integrity, that will lead us in every area area of our life, Lord. Your hands are in everything, God, and I pray that we may know that by placing everything in your hands. Lord, I pray that we may resolutely live out your dream, Lord, for our lives with integrity and confidence. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now for the benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 